0: Assalamualaikum alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome to another episode, a solitary one on this occasion, of A Piece of Cake. Abdurrahim will try and make it, but as the news of the Tier 4 lockdown came into play, he was possibly somewhat stranded Um, So he's working out if he can get from one location to the other in view of this imposition that's taken place for many of you in the UK at the moment. So what we decided is that we would continue. And I felt that we could have a reflective view on the past year, looking um, from the perspective of articles that I wrote and posted on my website dealing with various events so sometimes i'm going to be looking away from the screen and reading from some of the articles that i've done and i think it's important to reflect because of the levels of anxiety that are present at the moment and that's understandable the the lack of leadership that we're seeing um, internationally and on a local level if we want to speak on community levels some of you have been uh, engaging in other um, Podcast that I've been involved in and other brothers have been involved in, where we're seeing failings at community levels, um, lack of leadership, um, uh, particular habits and attitudes that are difficult to be removed. And some are actually exacerbated. We're finding sisters who are in untenable situations and um, they don't know where to turn to. Um, alhamdulillah, uh, Newcastle fast, FM have been providing um, subjects, topics, points of focus, where some of these individuals, sisters, brothers, um, children, can find some sort of connection or engagement with individuals who can empathize and understand, and in some cases, assist with some of these challenges they're facing more so with the current pandemic and the lockdowns that we're finding. As we know, on a national scale from a UK perspective, we're seeing a rise in domestic violence, domestic abuse of all sorts of children and of women, and on a rare occasions, men. But I'm not going to focus on that in this particular show. Um, as you know, they're very topical issues that we cover as well. Um, thank you, Russia, and Waalaikum Salaam um, to, to those of you who are joining us here at the moment. and. What I, as I said, want to do is look at some of the pertinent points. It's, Sam, it's good to see you. Um, and one of them, let's look at what's happening in the UK at the moment. Let's look at the contradictory um, messages coming out from leadership. Salam, Kira. Salam, floating man. Yep, doing well, alhamdulillah. And um, it's good to see you all. And really with Johnson, what we see, waalaikumsalam, what we see with Boris Johnson and his leadership The egotistical seeking of power was something that we saw at the start of the Brexit referendum and his changing of position, go and the double jeopardy and the stabbing in the back and everything. This is what leadership and politics looks like among individuals whose career is to be um, in positions of leadership, lording it over the people, power and status. When we look from a religious perspective, we see that we have guidelines not to seek power and authority in the ways that we're seeing. Unfortunately, um, we're not free from that. And we've looked at, again, micro levels of those seeking popularity, fame, authority. And this is something that's become rife in the social media era as well. But sticking with Johnson for the moment, you'll see that we've put tears of a clown. Um, the, the word, the play on the word tears, and this was based on my article of the same title, in which I looked at not only Boris Johnson but President Trump and his petulant, childish, throwing the babies at uh, the throwing the, the toys out of a pram behaviour because he lost the election. But I mentioned here, and I want to refer to this with Boris Johnson to show the idiocy of his leadership, the contradictions that are impacting on so many people. And we are bring that down to a micro level um, in in relation to Muslim communities as well, when we see that there's an impotence of leadership and how it impacts on local communities as well, the most vulnerable in particular. So I mentioned here, tears of a clown or village idiot. And I think many of you would opt for the latter. And I've said the UK continues to experience conflicting advice from Boris Johnson. This was on the 28th of November and his government around the different tier levels implemented across the country. And the independent newspaper, they captured it really well on that occasion. The government is so confused. We go from lockdown to tier three and back again and have no idea of of what any of it means. Now we have tier four, which many didn't know about, newly invented tier four. And then I mentioned to illustrate the absurdity of the advice frequently received from government, the author of the above independent article humorously describes the following scenarios. Quoting from him, when a minister is asked, they give answers such as the maximum number allowed outside is six, inside it's one. So if someone comes into a room you're already in, you must demolish the building you're in immediately. So you are now outside. However, if you then see six other people outside, one of you must make a biovac out of tweaks and go inside. He then went on to define, one example of the confusion is that as we're all heading into tier two or three or four, as we are now, we will be allowed to have 4,000 football fans back at matches. So we can't have more than six outside together unless it's 4,000. Then it's all right. This means if you want to have a party and there are 50 people you want to invite, you either have to tell 44 of them they can't come, or invite an extra 3,950 and make sure they all come, because if only 3,999 turn up, they all have to go home in groups of six because the 399 doesn't meet the 4,000. and salam, Sister Sabrina, it's good to see you here. So what is confusing is the lack of leadership, because they don't know themselves, the blind leading the blind. We see there's a new strain, for example, of this COVID vaccine, which must be causing alarm to many. Then we have again, on the flip side, the conspiracists, and they are quite vitriolic and they've become very, very um, vehement against those who do not subscribe to their view. And I'm not saying again, Um, to discount some of these theories. Some of them appear plausible. And we know from history that with some of these vaccines in the past, I'm not speaking about now, I have no knowledge about now. I'm not saying one thing on one side or the other, but in the past and with black communities, Africa, um, America, we've seen how vaccines have been used really insidiously um, and tested particular populations as guinea pigs. So I'm not going to go one way to the right or one way to the left, but you've got these varying voices saying there's nothing wrong, carry on like normal. And as you can see in the UK, they're partying like it's um, 1999 or it's the end of the millennium, um, not caring and discarding and discounting all and every advice in this regard. And I find this very strange because people are dying and are apparently dying of this particular um, virus. And when you contrast what's happening in the UK with so-called developing countries, where I am at the moment, UAE, I was out after Juma yesterday, mashallah, socially distanced Jummah. We did the rain prayer before then. And then afterwards I went to uh, the mall, uh, the local mall with family, nice social distance, all shops open, everyone behaving normally, not overcrowded, got a little busy, after the prayer period as it was coming up to the evening, but there wasn't this pandemonium, there wasn't this um, overcrowding, overpopulating that was taking place. Everyone being very, very calm. You can visit a restaurant um, and it's socially distanced and they've got all the protective barriers up and everything as well. Um, And the restrictions that we're seeing in the developed countries like the UK, European countries and America are not like that here. And yes, the The rates of infection here are lower. The death rates are lower. The adherence to protocol is better. Um, And I leave that for you to decide on which are more developed or developing with regards to strategies and their actual society. So we see that taking place at the moment now. And as I've said, there's anxiety there. I want to remind myself first and all of us, Muslims, non-Muslims who are listening as well, Everything that is taking place is according to the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Absolutely everything. And we need to have assurances and rest assured that despite what is happening in our personal lives, what is happening societally, internationally, that there is truly la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah we really need to believe in that, that there is no power or might except with with Allah, that what is taking place is within the grasp of Allah, it's within his decree, and the end outcome is with him. And so, for example, if we knew that a rescuer was positioned in a particular place and we were fleeing from the affliction, we would have sights from that rescuer and we would be seeking that rescuer's aid and we will be um, calling upon that rescuer and complying with whatever whatever he was highlighting needed to be complied with or adhered to because we want to be rescued. Wa salam as and our brothers and sisters have just come on. We'd be complying with that rescuer. Why is it? That despite what is happening to us personally, individually, collectively, societally, that we are not turning more frequently to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we have the opportunity to, to do so. And many of you have heard me say this over and over again. We we need to do that. Those of you who may be despairing and saying, I've called and I'm I I I want to ask upon Allah and I'm just depressed and the, the problems seem to be overwhelming. If you don't know of it, read of the narration of the people who got trapped in a cave. Um, the, the boulder came and, and fell over a cave that they were in and they could not get out. And one of them turned, this is an authentic narration, an authentic hadith. One of them turned and said, call upon Allah to aid us with the good deeds that we have done. And this is one of the things that we can look at in times of distress, in times of need. That when calling upon Allah, we refer to deeds that we have done sincerely for his sake. And so one of the individuals who was trapped in the cave mentioned that when he'd been out attending to his flock, his herd, goats I believe they were, that he came back so late that he'd missed feeding his parents, his elderly parents, and that they'd gone to sleep and what he'd done he only had enough milk or uh, food for his parents or his ch- young children and his young children while they salam sister yasmin his young children were standing at his heels while they can salam and they were so hungry that they were crying at his heels and some might say this is cruel this is cruel i think the essence of the story was because of his dutifulness to his parents, first and foremost, who would have needed the nourishment more than the children in that instance, in that particular point in time. He stood by their bedside until they awoke and gave them the meal that they'd gone to bed so hungry um, with that, that particular night. So the next morning they woke and he was still standing there. And the rock moved slightly after that supplication Another individual made supplication that he had a cousin and he desired her so much, but she always refused his advances. But then in a time of famine, when she and her parents and everyone had become so desperate, she inclined towards him. And the hadith expresses and describes in detail from him, Say when he was about to complete that intimacy, and we only have to work out what that means, he was, uh, she, he, was he said he was between the, her legs, he was about to have, have intercourse with her. And she said one thing, and he was going to basically help out the family afterwards. He desired her, he wanted to help, but he wanted to overcome his desires and satiate his desires first and foremost. while salam jasim. And she said these words, that he should fear Allah, and the covenant that he's had with allah words to those effects and that stopped him dead in his tracks and he didn't do he didn't commit that act he didn't commit that crime now that was a deed of refraining and fearing allah and the rock moved slightly again in that particular instance until one or two others who were there made this supplication, and the rock moved the boulder moved enough For them to exit the cave so the point is here let's look upon our good deeds those of us who are despairing let's look upon some of the good deeds if we are in desperation and if we know that we did them sincerely for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we are desperate and we are down and we don't know where to turn let's call upon him referring to some of those deeds in that particular instance that's very very important because the times that we're going in now and we're going through are unprecedented we've got clowns for leaders we've got immature petulant childlike childish even characters who are leading us and are there alternatives will they be much better i doubt it can we continually externally reference to our leaders and to everyone else, without taking account of ourselves, without looking introspectively at what we could be doing in ourselves. There's so much discussion that's taking place. walaikum salam to you, Badju. There's so many things that are taking place at the moment, and we're always looking externally. And if you look at at the extent of our discussions, if you look at the amount of time that we're wasting on fruitless and frivolous discussions around things that will not benefit us, uttering statements for which the Malaika on the left waits six to nine hours and those times pass, and it's sinful what we're saying. We are coming to the end of 2020. We are in the climes of a new decade. What are we looking at for 2021 within ourselves? And I'm not going to say make New Year resolutions. We've already got the Hijri year that started um, previously. I'm not going to say make New Year resolutions. I'm not going to say have resolved to do such and such because we're still in 2020 and some of us may not see 2021 and Allah knows best. And I pray that you and me and all of us reach 2021. So many have been lost in this particular decade, this particular year, sorry, beginning of the decade so many challenges and trials in this particular year that we're still smarting from the damage and the the effects of this particular year that we don't know where to look and to move forward we've seen issues not only of COVID 19 we've seen the issues with racism anti-black racism we've seen the um marches following george floyd's death we've seen um the protestations the protests regarding Breonna Taylor, and it continued and continued and continued. Black Lives Matter, indeed they do, waalaikum Salaam wa Black Lives Matter, yes, our lives matter. We're not talking about Black Lives, the movement, because some jumped on the bandwagon with that movement. And as Muslims, when we look at what that movement actually stands for, one of the premises that they operate upon is the destruction of the nuclear family, as we know, the conventional family unit, the husband, the wife, the children. Check out their agenda, check out some of their objectives. So we are not for Black Lives Matter, the movement. We are for Black Lives Matter, the cause. And yet we had Muslims whose voices were aligned with non-Muslims saying all lives matter. And they didn't understand the insult of such a statement, how it detracted and was an attempted diminishing of the Black Lives Matter, the cause. We even had co-religionists and black co-religionists saying you can't speak for non-black Muslims who are being oppressed because they're not Muslim. Yet we as Muslims stand for justice. So yet again, a cause that we should be rallying behind, an injustice that has been perpetuated for centuries in the West against black people. We've got Muslims trying to silence those voices. And that spoke to issues within our own communities, our own communities where anti-black racism is rife. And you've heard many accounts from brothers and sisters including myself of what that actually looks like and we wonder why we have problems we wonder why our duas are not being accepted in some instances we wonder why there's so much fear and anxiety even among our own communities salam, sister shabnan and um yes i'll read what you've said for those Yet, congratulations for highlighting the difference between the BLM movement and the importance of Black Lives Matter. And yes, congratulations, it is an important thing and it's a continuing um, narrative and distinction that we actually need to make. Ethnic racism is rife amongst us, brothers and sisters. Ethnic racism is rife. And what does that look like? It's the predominant communities that are enacting and implementing that racism amongst the minority communities and minority entities that are there, convert Muslims, male and female, smaller communities of maybe if you are an Arab community and you've got uh, South Asian, um, Bangladeshi or Pakistani uh, members among you, there's ethnic racism and it's very subtle. Some of it is very, very blatant. So in this year, there is so much to take into account so much to take into account from ourselves as, surah, as allah tells us in surah al um, lawama allah swears by the self-reproaching soul and we all need to do it there was a, a statement that i posted posted up um, Earlier this year I believe it was, but it was a repeat of one of last year. And it went something like, What if you woke up today with the things that you thanked Allah for yesterday? And a lot of people looked at that and said, SubhanAllah, because we go to bed and we are not grateful for what we've had. So imagine you woke up with nothing tomorrow of things that you thanked Allah for because you have thanked him for nothing. And all of those things had gone. Family members, wealth, eyesight, hearing, speech, limbs, total paralysis. What if we woke up like that the following day? Because we went to bed without reflection, which we often do. Without gratitude, which we often do. We've got so much to be grateful for. Brothers, sisters, non-Muslims. We've got so much to be grateful for. And in this time, we should be reflecting. While we're seeing the world um, unravel before our eyes, but knowing that this is from the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That doesn't mean do nothing. But how are we contributing? Let's, Let's talk about global warming. Let's talk about the carbon footprints. Let's talk about what we're contributing. What have we done with regards to the use of plastics? What What have we done with regards to using material that is destructive um, in our environment? Have we made any changes whatsoever? Have we made any changes, brothers and sisters, in this year to better ourselves, to better our environment, what have we done? What have we been doing? Again, let's stop externally referencing. Let's be introspective, let's be reflective. What is the condition of your neighbour? How are our neighbours during this time? Have you seen them? How have we been with individuals that we know are alone? Have you made that phone call? Have you picked up the phone to speak to someone? Even if you are the one suffering from that loneliness, you have to do something yourself. You have to be active, proactive, not reactive. And we've got to remember something else. We're all focusing on COVID-19. We've got brothers and sisters suffering from serious ailments, cancer and other things. And we need to focus on them as well our fear just like this is the, this is how the media is this is how society is this is how we are we're always on to the next thing until something sharp comes in front of us and then we pay attention we are media led and we enjoy that we've become a part of that cycle are we being brainwashed that's for you to decide in individually is it willful again that's for you to decide for yourselves but we need to be looking wider and that lens that we're looking through has to be a religious one the foundation the walls the ceiling the roof has got to be a religious one because only then can we stay focused only then can we stay focused spiritually mentally psychologically physically only then and if we're not getting benefit from religion at this time then we need to check the levels of our iman and the first check and pointer for that is the level of obedience to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are we delaying acts of obedience that we can do now time for reflection, remembering Allah, the adhkar in the morning. But where are you rushing off to? Do you have to rush off to work? No, you don't. So have you added further dua? Basic dua. Basic dua. Have you done the sunnas of fajr when you get up in the morning, knowing that the reward of fajr prayer is greater than the world and everything it contains? That's Fajr. the fajr sunnah. Those two raqa preceding Fajr prayer. Do you sit for a bit to reflect on the morning? Do you listen to the morning as it's coming? The birds watching of sunrise, if you're able to, to view that. The sky clearing. I ask you, let's go back to that point. If you woke up the next morning with those things you thanked Allah for, would it include the sight? Would it include your hearing? So in the morning, this is something we need to be looking to do. When we reach the evening, it should be something that we're looking to thank Allah for because there are people all over the world who haven't reached that particular evening because of the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I don't need to be quoting chapter, verse, hadith and everything to you now. Alhamdulillah, we have scholars, we have students of knowledge who are delivering courses and everything who can talk about that. I'm just talking to you, keeping it straight and real, but predicated upon a religious platform. We've got clowns again. We're in the tier system 4 we've got clowns again. And we need to reflect. We need to reflect beyond. Utterances of remembrance. Those of us who know we can do more with regards to our prayers. We should do it. What are we delaying? When I took my Shahada, as I've mentioned previously in some episodes, the thing that galvanized me to take my Shahada was my friend, Aslam, Mashallah, Big T, good friend of mine. When he said to me, 30 years ago, March, 30 years ago, sitting in my home, I was sitting, chilling, relaxing had some music on my second home all good wife upstairs baby gone to sleep my first daughter and he said he's thinking about going to the mosque tomorrow to become a muslim now we'd been looking i'd be given a, had been given a quran earlier on to read and it had a profound effect on me some of the verses that i read but he said this one thing to me and the reason i'm bringing this to you now is to say to you to ask you will you delay because he asked me this question after asking about the pillars of Islam. I said, we've read about them, do you believe them? I said, yes. Do you believe in Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? I said, I believe in him, but I don't know much about him. But the fact that he is a finality of the other prophets that I have always believed in, I believe in him. So he went through the five pillars. He went through the six articles of Iman. We've discussed them before. And I was like, yeah, yeah, good. But I didn't know where he was going with this. And he said, well, if you die, tomorrow what will you say to allah on the day of judgment for not worshiping him knowing this was the truth and he said he left it he left me with that he said i'm going to the mosque tomorrow you have a think about it and i stayed riveted in the spot he let himself out i stayed in the same spot from that night which would have been 10 10 to 11 o'clock My wife came down the next morning, Sunday morning, around seven, eight o'clock, nine o'clock. And I was still sitting there. I had not moved because I could not answer that question adequately. I was a bit upset when he asked that question. I like to think that I can um, uh, respond in this way. You're welcome, Sister Sharon. And I couldn't answer the question. Then I got up, went, prepared myself, I had a shower. I didn't drive. I had my car, my nice Audi sitting outside, mashallah, but I didn't want to drive because my focus wasn't there. I was focused on one thing. I walked up to the high road. I jumped on the bus. I heard there was a mosque five miles down the road from where I was living. There were some nearer, but I didn't know about them. And I travelled on the bus quietly pondering about my next step, which was going to be the biggest step Of my life, I got to the mosque. It was an old building, and I went in. And individuals could see the resolve on my face. I saw my friend Aslam, as as he was going to become T. Another friend had joined me on the bus, who was going to the mosque for the same reason. Both of us very quiet, no discussion, no excitement, no um, banter. There was just a focus of my life about to change and i went into the mosque sat there didn't see any priest didn't see any high imam or anything like that as we saw in christian faiths and other denominations just regular brothers and i saw hardened individuals that you usually see in the lifestyle that i lead and was was leading in other places but they were there and on pronunciation of the shahada and i struggled with it I saw these grown men crying. And from my culture, from the street, the road culture that we come from, you don't see crying. I've never seen men cry from when I was a young teenager, right up until adulthood, we don't cry. It's not something that us men do. And to see grown hardened men crying, I understood why they cried, because they saw individuals who were like them, who were going down the same road as them. Some of us had lost some of our friends, Um, died previously they saw us becoming muslims there and then and they said you've just said the weightiest statement in this life and the hereafter so i come back to why i'm bringing this point to you what are you waiting for those of you who have been raised as muslims what are you waiting for to start doing your five prayers. What are you waiting for to turn to Allah and ask for forgiveness, and then start taking those baby steps towards him? What are you waiting for? What will you say to Allah on the day of judgment if he took you tonight? What would you say to him? We are approaching the end of a year that has been unprecedented in the history of mankind in the last 100 years. The last flu pandemic that spread killed between 50 to 100 million people. Are we going in that direction? I doubt it, and Allah knows best. Technology is such, and we're seeing things now. They're saying there's a vaccine. Again, I'm not speaking one way or the other to that. I've got colleagues and brothers who are doctors, and I've heard their stories here in Dubai, in Jeddah, where I live as well, and those in the UK who I know, speaking about what they've witnessed on the front line. And they get very frustrated when they hear conspiracy theorists because they're actually seeing what is taking place. But I will say this. Whichever side we fall on, that this is not true, that this is a hoax, that this is true, we need to take it serious, and we're Muslims. Drown that. Put all the noise to the side. Put all the polarizations to the side. And look at this fact that both sides cannot deny. And that's إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ That Allah has power and authority and dominion over everything that is and that will be and that was. And suffice it for us to have trust in Him. You hear me say almost week in, week out. What Allah says in the Quran to say, "Hasbi Allah, لَا إِلَهَ Sufficient is Allah. Sufficient is Allah for us. None deserves to be worshipped except He. And upon Him, we place our trust. And He is the Lord of the magnificent throne. And more simply, Hasbi Allah wa Nikmah So let's drown out all that noise between the polarizations and focus on this in the middle. And that will give, trust me, in stressful moments, like when Ibrahim had to enter the fire, it will give you that Sakina, it will give you that, if you have that faith, if you have that trust, if you have that focus. Because if you don't have that focus, the anxiety and the stress and the mental health issues that many have developed this year will only become exacerbated with further focus on these polarizations. Every day on the news, the pandemic, coronavirus, the number of deaths, every day, let me ask you, how can anyone sustain that news day in day out but yet they don't turn to that book where allah says in the remembrance of allah the hearts find rest and sakina how come how come we're not doing that how come we're not doing that so it's really really important my brothers and sisters And i'm glad to be here with you today i miss my brother abdu rahim mashallah but i'm glad to be here with you today there are many of you that i see weekly um regularly in the shows and i appreciate you you being there your names we don't know the faces but you're my brothers you're my sisters in islam and the non-muslim guests that are actually joining us as well you are welcome because despite the negative portrayals of our faith those who are leading spiritually those who are leading psychologically are none other than the muslims because we have that perfection in our deen if only we would but hold on to it if only we would but turn to it if only we would but reflect and ponder and that includes all the issues that i've highlighted about lack of leadership Clowns for leaders, or village idiots, whichever the case may be. The racism that we're seeing rife—that is um, institutionalized, systemic, especially against Black people—and those of fairer hue from different faiths, or and all from the same faith, feel that because they're of lighter complexion, that they have superiority. This was something that was instilled and instituted again by the West from colonialization. But let's go back to a more spiritual origin of that. The distinction of shaitan. The distinction that Iblis thought he was better than Adam, salam Iblis who'd been raised to the ranks of the angels because of his stature beforehand. And the arrogance that he had that he's better. And we hear this over and over again, and it's just become a religious story now. It doesn't really have any import in transferring into our lives into our lives so we have to ask ourselves what is the level of our religiosity and don't despair because some of us some of us will slip some of us will slip and i want to read what mukhit has just mentioned it is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society exactly That is a very profound statement, and thank you for putting that up there. I'll read it again. It is no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. So if the society is sick, the entire society is sick, can you run around saying, look at me, I'm healthy, when everyone else is diseased and ill? It's of no consequence until we effect that change, that remedy amongst the others. And Islam is that remedy. And it's not just preaching from the book. It's not just being on social media speaking about it. It's how we are within our character and within our behavior. The Prophet wa sallam, came to perfect good manners. Let's look at our manners as Muslims. Let's look at our manners as Muslims. Muslims lie. And this is something that is abhorrent upon the tongue of the Prophet that we would never be liars. We should never be liars. Muslims steal. Muslims abuse their wives using the religion. And I'm not generalizing, I'm saying all Muslims, let's be clear on this, we're talking about a small contingent. But using the religion, how heinous is that? That we use the religion and really it's misogyny. It's none other than misogyny. And no one will tell me in the Quran there's misogyny unless you misunderstand the Quran. So the moral character of us as Muslims, that's the remedy for the ailments and the ills that we see in society at the moment. Very good statement that our colleagues, our our brothers has put forward. I'm I'm glad to be doing this. Had had I planned everything I'm saying to you now, aspects of it, because we have to think on our feet, Um, some saying and to the sister, who said, no, you should do the show um, for the reward and everything. Jazakallah okay, to you for that. And I, it's not that I wanted to pull out. I was thinking, OK, what are we going to discuss? What can I engage with you on? And I said, OK, some of my articles, um, just touch upon them generally. You can find them there. Thank you, Shirin, for that, Mashallah to I thought, let me reflect on 2020, because this has been a t- tumultuous year. When, I'm just thinking about it now. The fact that we are in December, towards the end of 2020. And there's a relief there for many of us. There's apprehension there for 2021, for many of us again. But I would say okay, we go with trepidation, but we should go with trust in Allah. The tawakkul ala Allah, the trust in Allah, as we spoke about. Um, last week, Abdul Rahim and myself, I believe it was last week, we spoke about that. Trusting in Allah. And some might say that's difficult to do that. Thank you, Ibtissam. Jazakallah. I appreciate that. And it, and it helps me um, be more appreciative to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, when I get supportive comments and um, encouraging words from all of you, mashallah. To barakallah. So as we move with trepidation, we should move with hope. We should move with trust. And we should move. This is one of the things. Walaikum Salam, Brother Jordan. We should move as well. And this is something that I'm not going to get all esoteric and woolly with everyone. But we should move with love of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when I ask, do we love Allah? Everyone will say, yes, yes, we love Allah. But let's look at this. If you loved someone it would be because of attributes and things you know about that person. If you love someone, you would find out more about the things that please them. If you loved someone, you would make sure that you would be doing more of the things that please them. If you love someone, you would want to be around them as much as possible, sharing, having time with them in their presence. So if you loved Allah, how often do we busy ourselves with his remembrance? And I'm saying just the five daily prayers, my brothers and sisters, and non-Muslims, I want you to consider this as well. It's not just about going to church, like I used to when I was a Catholic, um, when I needed to do confession or on a Sunday. Our relationship with Allah is not part-time and on a weekly basis our relationship with allah is constant to smiling accruing rewards to good words accruing rewards to reflecting privately getting blessings in that particular instance fasting being a shield for you and the fasting is only for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in these winter months when the fasting is very short at least trying it on a Monday or Thursday, at least trying it once. If we love Allah, and we don't like to talk about love, we have that Western concept of love, but the religious Islamic concept of love, universal and otherwise, is so much more comprehensive. The love we have for our wives and our wives have for our husbands, That supersedes the romantic Western context of love and Valentine's Day and these pagan incidents in that instance. We buy flowers more than the times on Valentine's Day. The love we express for our wives, those of us who are able to be vulnerable with our women. And men, well, you might shake at that, oh, how can I be vulnerable? I will never be like that if one woman is emasculating. Then you have not understood because we saw how the prophet was soft and vulnerable with his wives because of trusting. And vulnerable doesn't mean weak. That means that you can let your guard down completely. Like in the long hadith of those women of um, Abizorah or Zara, where they all talk about their husbands. And one described her husband as being like a kitten when he was at home and like a lion when he was outside. Husbands, that's a really good description. Are you that soft, playful, bashful with your wives? Are you that patriarchal, misogynistic, chauvinistic individual who takes particular tenets or what he believes are tenets and misrepresents them in the religion? that she must put my slippers on, she must cook, she must this, she must that. And those okay. who cite those hadith and those narrations, that um, uh, if the man was to have pus on these offices and the woman was to clean that off him or lift that off him, that would not show the, um, the, um, the worth of the man. That is a principle called um, absurdium infinitum. Okay, or um, infinitum absurdum. What it means is that it's so extreme that it won't happen. But it's being made to emphasise the place of something in relation to another. Not that it's a reality that will take place. So let's not get that twisted, brothers. When we're bringing all of these hadith about the woman should be like this, she's a prisoner. She's it. Yeah, those, they exist. What is the understanding of that? You only have to look at the Prophet, you only have to look at the companions did they understand it like that? Did you see them implementing those narrations in the way that you are understanding it? But because we have weaknesses inside ourselves, brothers, because we fear the strength in our women, we don't like strength in women, we, we hide that insecurity we have and we mask it or think we're masking it with religion. And all it does is expose our insecurities even more. So I say, and I'm speaking as a brother, I don't want to speak with the, uh, on behalf, uh, uh, in, in place of sisters, because sisters are there and they can really articulate themselves well enough. And it, it, enough is enough. 2021, brothers, instead of us speaking on behalf of sisters, let them speak. And let us follow up the rear, And let us support them. As we saw Prophet Muhammad wa sallam, do with Khadija, r.a as we saw the women f- f- um, f- coming up with the rear when the battles were taking place and they would be there helping with the wounds of the men. And in some instance, fighting with the permission of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and with the uh, of the Caliph, radiallahu anhum. And I've had to learn that, had to do a paradigm shift from my understanding before I was a Muslim, which I felt was good, coming in and being, no, the women's place is this, the man's place is that, and being told that in such an abstract light that you thought that that was correct. And in actuality, we were practicing misogyny, thinking we were practicing the religion and it was wrong. And again, I'm saying this on the point of reflection because we've had cases of Shukri uh, Mustafa who died. We've had cases of abuse and repression of women And the men's voices are really quiet. We are mute. Why? How? Shame. We should be the most vociferous in these instances. We should be the most supportive in these instances. We should be the most unflinching and unhesitating in these instances when it comes to the most important aspect and contingent of our community, our women, who are mothers, who are daughters, who are nurturers of the future generations. And when you look at your own mothers and how the the esteem with which you hold them, why do you hold them with that esteem? So why do you not hold your wife like that or your daughter like that? And I'm speaking to myself as well. This is not me speaking outwardly to you. This is self-reflective as well. We need to come together with the values that are in place as an ummah, and we have the revelation there, and we have the authentic sunnah, and we have the understanding of our pious predecessors that are telling us how to be brothers and sisters. Enough with the division, the toxicity. the looking for the salacious stories. Enough with that. And if you're busying yourself with that, I've talked about love of Allah, then you need to fear Allah. Because if Allah takes some of our faculties from us because of what we're doing, then what would we do? We would lament. We would lament. But at that point it might be too late. So let this quickly ending year that we want to see the back of let us have a resolve for ourselves as muslims that we're going to try and be better next year than we were this year and that means in how we establish our relationship with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala how we engage and establish our relationship with those immediately around us our spouses Our children, our parents, wider society, wherever it may be that we are residing, and just be better people. Islam spread through the character of the Muslims. And thank you, Rick. Um, It's good to see you. You say you're Christian and would like to say peace to all Muslim neighbors. Uh, All the best for the new year. Thank you, Rick. And I ask that you have a very peaceful period and transition into the next year, um, and that you engage even more with your Muslim neighbours and colleagues, and they with you. And thank you for posting up. I'm very glad to see that you're, you're here and um, viewing and participating in this. And on this, everyone who's listening, we need to be examples. And speaking to us again as Muslims, we need to be exemplars of our faith. We need to be exemplars of our faith. If you're not tired of the divisions, and I'm not saying there will be divisions. There will always be divisions. Peace to you as well, Rick. Thank you. There will be divisions, but unity upon Tawheed. And thank you, Malahat. Unity upon monotheism unity upon Toheed, and what that means what that means individually and collectively i look at it as well and i want those of you who have reached 40 30 even let's look at one thing and i, I look at this i started looking at this from my 40s with certainty because we're told about the lifespan average lifespan of a muslim is 70 and allah knows best and some is longer some some is shorter some are shorter and i speak with colleagues and i say the road ahead is shorter than the road that has been traversed many of us have certainty upon that now based on that narration on lifespan so the road ahead is shorter And it's also clearer. So it's up to us how we want to traverse the remainder of this road. It's up to us, not anybody else. Us. What are you going to do? How are you going to be the author of the next steps that are ahead of you? Things are tough. My words may be token to some of you. 31 you're very young mashaAllah those of you in your 30 yes you've got a long way to go inshallah now you're still young you're not getting old floating man you're not getting old you've got a long way to go mashaAllah and may Allah preserve all of our health and our lives and remember in preservation of that there's some of the things we need to look at not breaking the ties of kinship and trust me I know that's very difficult not breaking the ties of kinship, biting that tongue when you've got an annoying incident with your brother, your sister, your mother, or father, even your children is difficult. Speaking from experience, difficult. Yes, mashallah, sister Sabrina, Allahumma barik, young. Idris, 60. MashaAllah, 60 and young. 60 is a young age. Alhamdulillah, Allahumma barak. Allah has blessed us with these years. Are they beneficial years? Are they years that we can rectify? Rasha, 38. MashaAllah, no, you're not. You're young. Let's not despair. This is not the way. The, the, the glass is not half empty. It's not half empty. It's half full. Positivity. Optimism. And Rick, if you'd like to um, read the Quran to learn about the Islamic view of Jesus, brilliant. And I will say this to you because this is the period I know around Christianity. I used to be a Roman Catholic. Um, I even was in the choir for a short bit. It was a very rowdy one because of my friends. We thought, let's earn some money from that and be in there. When my father died, and those of you who heard one of the podcasts a few weeks ago, he died on a boxing day and I had to fly back to the UK to be with him and I was there with him until Christmas day. Rick, I read to him the 19th chapter of the Qur'an, Surah Mariam, and that's a beautiful story, and it talks about the birth of Jesus and what Mariam endured and the miracle of of his birth and him speaking from the cradle when they asked how could she bring forth this child when she was a a woman who was chased, and and baby Jesus spoke. And I read this chapter to my father, and Jesus is of the... Uh, Prophets of strong resolve One of the greatest prophets ever to walk the earth All of them were great Jesus spoke about um, the advent of Prophet Muhammad Peace and blessings be upon both of them Jesus is coming back again To confirm and establish the Islam the, The monotheism, the worship of one God I was a Christian, Rick Roman Catholic Went to Roman Catholic school I remember asking, I at the top stream, I'd come in the top two in all of the exams and tests that we were doing. Also, yes, Prophet Isa, that's right. And I remember reading, Rick, in the New Testament, you know the story of the Garden of Gethsemane, when we saw that they said that Jesus prostrated at that particular point. And I remember asking as a 15-year-old student to my teacher, why do we not prostrate as Christians in the way that Jesus prostrates? Why do we not prostrate in that way? I know you say you're just a Christian. I know, Rick. I understand that. So we're talking about Christianity generally. And he couldn't answer that question. And I asked him about the Trinity, and they got the priest in to ask. I said, how can the Father and the Son be one when we know that the Father always comes before the Son? And it wasn't until I was told by a friend that Islam meant submission to one God, not Prophet Muhammad. I asked, do they worship Prophet Muhammad? He said, no, not at all. This is a major sin to worship anyone besides God. And they bought me an English rendition of the Quran. And I read Surah Ikhlas. And before we conclude, and I think this is a powerful thing to conclude on. And when I read Rick, I'll say the Arabic and then the English first. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the most beneficent, the most merciful say he is allah the one Allahu samad the allah the eternal the absolute lam he begets not nor was he begotten and there is none there is nothing like unto him when i read this surah, this short chapter, my heart almost jumped out of my mouth because I said, this is the God that I've always believed in. And I couldn't understand why I was told to go to intermediary, to a prophet, to the prophet's mother, Mary, alayhi salam. When I read the oft repeated verses of the Quran, the opening chapter of the Quran, which we say at least 17 times a day, In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful. All praise is to Allah, Lord of all the worlds, the Beneficent, the Merciful, again, Master, owner of the Day of Judgment. You alone do we worship, and you alone do we seek help and aid from. Show us the straight path, the path of those upon whom you have bestowed your blessings, Not the path of those who have earned your anger, nor of those who have gone astray. And I read these two surahs, these two short chapters, and I remember putting the Quran on the top shelf. No one told me to do that, but I felt in myself that it needed to be elevated on the top of every one of my books. And I left it there because it had a profound effect on me and it shook me. It was saying things in there that no one knew about me, but yet it was revealing them as though it knew my inner self. And I left it in that state until my friend Aslam, Big T, came to me months later and we had that discussion that propelled me to go and make that decision, to embrace Islam and come to the fold, within the fold of Islam after Allah had guided me. And I'll conclude on this point. We need to renew our covenant with Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is to worship him alone and to keep striving with him. You're welcome, Rick. Pleasure. And if you need to get in touch in any way, um, my details will be given. I'll ask um, Hassan to put my... Um, email address and you can email me directly and I'll be happy to continue any dialogue with you um, that you like. Um, And if you need, if you would like a Quran, I'll ask my colleagues to arrange to get one to you um, as you like, God willing. So renewing that covenant with Allah is something we should do often. And that's the Shahada. That's that declaration. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. I bear witness that none deserves to be worshipped, nothing deserves to be worshipped, nothing deserves the attention, except Allah, and that Muhammad sallallahu alaihi may Allah's peace, blessings and salutations be upon him, is his final slave and messenger. We need to do that, let's do that, let's step up, let's end this year on a high, being closer to Allah, asking Allah to forgive us for our transgressions because we commit many and we continue to commit many but Allah loves that we turn to him penitent, repentant and he forgives all except that we associate partners with him. And I look forward to speaking with you, engaging with you again in a week, inshallah, with Abdur back here, my beloved brother, and you all, my beloved brothers, sisters, colleagues, Wa'yat Sister Sabrina, and um, it's a pleasure to have you here with us. And everyone, take care, be safe, and be thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we are here to even thank him. I'll end there and close with a dua. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik, shadwun la ilaha ila'ant, astagfirullah wa atubu and a surah verily, by time. man is and we know that surah. I, I we've repeated it before. In al verily man is in a state of loss. Illa ladina amanu wa Haki Accept those who believe and enjoin upon one another truth and enjoin upon one another patience. So I enjoin upon you truth. Let's speak truthfully, let's be upon the truth. Let's be patient with ourselves first and foremost. And I'll see you all next week inshallah. Asalaamu alaikum, alaykum rahmatullah and good evening to our non-Muslim guests that have viewed and participated today. Thank you for being with me and staying throughout, even though the other half, um, Abdurrahim Green is not there, Wayak, Brother Floated Man, and um Makhir, thank you. Always a pleasure, pleasure being with you. Fatima, good to see you here again. Sister Talk, Wayak to you. Ali Gold, Wayak. Appreciate your time as well, my brother, Idris, Mashallah, Aluma Amin, and just Wayak Rasha. I'm answering because it's just me now, so I can. Baju, Sharin, mashallah. Thank you all, Jasim, And I look forward to seeing you all. Revert sister, it's good to see you here today as well. Asma, wa alaikum salam rahmatullah. Take care everyone while they salaam.